This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Excuse me. Good morrow, everybody. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Yours truly, Frank Morano here with a very hoarse voice. We're going to do denunciations in a moment, but um, a number of you were kind enough to call, and I promised you that I would get to your calls. A lot of reaction to uh, Jeffrey Sachs, positive, negative, some in between. And um, why not give you an opportunity to be heard? We'll do denunciations this hour. Uh, a lot of other fun stuff that we're going to do for the holidays as well. I try not to make it all about war and doom and gloom, but this was the one show. I've been trying to get Jeffrey Sachs on this program for a long time. This was the one time that he was available. No less an authority than Debbie Duhame gave this interview a ringing endorsement. She says, that was a great interview. So interesting. I didn't mean to out her as a listener of this show, but it is what it is. All right, 800-848-9222, moments away from denunciations. First, though, let me say hello to Joaquin in Pennsylvania. Hi, Joaquin. Frank, my friend, you Tom Likas uh, plagiarizer. Every (laughs) time I hear the intro come on, I always go to the Tom Likas show. That's right. Yeah, I steal a lot of good stuff from Tom. (laughs) Blow me up, Frank. (laughs) How How about Frank 101? Teaching guys how to get more by spending less. <laughs> yeah, I, I would uh, probably be the opposite. I would uh, teach guys how to spend more while getting less. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't know he was still around because I know he was older back when I listened to him. I thought by now he might be dead. No, God forbid. No, he's he's a guest on this show regularly. Oh, really? I, I haven't been listening to you long because uh, usually by now I come home from work and I turn on uh, wagon trains, so. But anyway, is your last name Morano with an M or Verano with a V? M with an M, as in Michael. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so anyway, you know, your, your guest, okay, I have a lot of thoughts on that. A lot of what he said about Russia, Ukraine was right on the money, okay? Now, my spidey senses went off of him when, you know, you talk about his, you know, sustainability, UN and all that. And unfortunately, this, this belief in the climate crisis is going to be the destruction of uh Western, modern, let's say modern civilization, because at the moment right now, without petroleum and all this carbon crap, pardon the French, it's going to destroy us. Okay. So I, there's, there's my first problem. So I already, my spidey senses go off. But when you're talking about Russia, Ukraine, without a doubt, this has been manipulated. And the people who are profiting are the military industrial complex that is selling the weapons that keep this war going. And now Ukraine is drafting 40-plus-year-olds because they've already eliminated a whole generation of, of their young men. And I heard a clip on another show where they played a clip of Lindsey Graham went with John McCain there in, like, 2016 and was telling Ukraine that they're going to be ready to support them to invade. Uh, I mean, to, to, to yeah, basically to start an aggression against Russia. And also, too, Ukraine used to have nuclear weapons. 
and they uh, decided to give them up because, you know, the United States was going to uh, basically support them. But part of the agreement was that Ukraine would not become part of NATO. And then you have the issues of uh, the bioweapons labs there in Ukraine. And uh, the Russians alleged that, you know, there was a plan to use rodents or bats to take uh, bio, you know, biomaterial and send it into Russia. So there's whole reasons how this war actually that basically Putin was manipulated into invading Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I do agree with him on that. But when it comes to Israel, I have a whole number of red flags that go up. Okay, And when you give any credibility to the Iranians, where it's alleged that some of these hostages were brought to, I'm sorry, you cannot give the Iranians any, you know, any credibility whatsoever. And the other problem, too, is also that this attack on October 7th was a paramilitary force trained that attacked civilian people. Right. And there's, there's just no excuse for that. And the problem also, too, is when I talk about the casualties in, in uh, Palestine, in Gaza, the hospitals were used by Hamas. It was a Hamas. One of their, their leaders was the head of the hospital. And the, the tunnels are underneath these hospitals, they're underneath the schools. They're using ambulance. I I did mention that, uh, Joaquin. Joaquin, thank you for such a thoughtful call. I want to try and get some other people on here before we get to uh, denunciations. 800-848-9222. Frank's in California. Hey, Frank. Hey, regarding uh, your professor, uh, you had a professor, you had a general a while back. They're all Russian-sided. That's all they do. They defend Russia. Russia is out desperate looking for materials. They went to Korea to get ammunition. They're buying back armory from foreign countries, uh, stuff they had sold, now they want it back. They need it. They're recruiting military people from Cuba. These guys are desperate. They're on their last leg. And your professor didn't even mention October 7th. That's where he should have started. Well, first of all, I mentioned you know, October 7th. Frank, thank you for the call. Um, he's not my professor. You know, he's a professor at Columbia and senior advisor to the U.N. So don't, you know, he's not my professor. He's a guest that's been on this show. We've had a lot of guests on this show that express varying views. 800-848-9222. Mark is in Patterson. Hi, Mark. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, you know, aside from the frog in my throat, I'm hanging in there. Thanks for asking. Well, uh, cough drops, cough drops. I'm trying, I'm trying, Mark. What's on your mind? So anyway, look, this gentleman, I'm, I'm going to, he spoke about a lot of things. I'm going to limit myself to Israel um, to, to sort of give the lay of the land. His, his remarks were, were totally one-sided and unrealistic, and I don't want to hear that he was Jewish because, you know, there were Jews who worked for the Nazis too. Um, number one. Israel has tried umpteen times to give the Palestinians a state. 1947, after 1967, the Oslo Accords, 2000, 2002, every time they give up land, they get rockets. That's number one. Number two, the gentleman talked about a religious conflict. The extreme religious views he portrays in Israel could be 5% of the population, maybe. In contrast, what he omits is that the Arabs are motivated also 
by their religious concept. And when you of, say the Arab, Mark, uh, are you are you talking about the the Palestinians or the other Arab nations like uh, Egypt and Qatar? Palestinians are Arab. Yeah. Their language is Arabic. They've always been Arab. Right, right. But I'm just curious. There are a lot of Arabs in the Middle okay, East. The Which Arabs? Arabs? Who are, you're right. The Arabs who are currently hostile to Israel, okay, and, and yeah. specifically the Palestinians. They have a kind, specifically Hamas. If you read, we Americans, we tend not to read what other people write about themselves. If you read what Hamas actually um, writes, they believe in the concept of an Islamic caliphate, just like ISIS did, and that any land that was once ISIS, sorry, once Islamic, I apologize, once Islamic, is, has to always be Islamic. Therefore, they can never recognize Israel, and they say that. Beyond that, the Palestinian Authority, in some of its uh, recent uh, pronouncements, have essentially said the same thing, or at least elements of the Palestinian Authority. Beyond that, um, the Palestinian Authority cannot win an election. The Palestinian people prefer Hamas. The whole reason... Well, they won in the West Bank. They can't win in Gaza. They won. They won. won, uh, 15 years ago, and I'm not having an election since. Right, right. They say Abbas is now in the uh, 15th year of a four-year term. No, I'm aware of that. I mean, part of the problem, though, is, you know, um, a lot of the people, a lot of the Palestinians in the West Bank, they don't even view Abbas as a legitimate leader. They view him as somebody that's being propped up by Israel and Netanyahu. And I think the, the whole strategy to divide the Palestinians by encouraging uh, Hamas um, and helping their electoral efforts in uh, Gaza while helping Fatah in the West Bank, I think you, you, know, you really see how short-sighted that is. Mark, thank you for the call. I know you had some other points, but I want to get to some, uh, some other folks here, and then uh, we'll do denunciations. 800-848-9222. Maurice is in Queens. What's on your mind, Maurice? Well, uh, something uh, kind of what the, the last uh, caller was saying, that uh, Israel gave the, the Palestinians several, several times the, the, the chance to have a state, and they always rejected it because they, they wanted, they wanted uh, the, the, the main reason that Arafat, uh, which was one of the first... Uh, uh, chance of really having a, 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 a peace rejected the accord was because he wanted he didn't want to renounce the the the, the right of the all Palestinian from everywhere which might not right the right of return many, right. many to to go back to Israel he didn't, he didn't want to uh, go. To, to history in, uh, at that, uh, in that position. And also, because they had just, they are, they are just, you know, brought up to, to hate Jews. And, and we have, the, the world has sent them so much money, they actually, they live mostly from the money that the world sent them. And the world doesn't send any money to Africa. There are so many nations in Africa that need they well, Maurice, you're right. Money. Maurice, thank you. Uh, you're right about the aid that the Palestinians get, at least from the United States. You're not right in the lack of African aid. Uh, African nations do get a bundle of money from the United States, and uh, that's been that's been the case for a long time now.
in both Democrat and Republican administrations. So your point's well taken. Those of you that are on hold, we will get to you. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment, two open lines. Meantime... The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciation. I must denounce the mayor of Derby, Darren Burrell. He was given, this is in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. He was given two years of probation on Thursday after pleading guilty to one count of simple assault for striking Councilman Omar Thompson following a borough meeting last year. This 42-year-old mayor actually assaulted a councilman. He was charged originally with reckless endangerment and two counts of harassment. Um, Some of those counts were dismissed. But to me, this guy's a disgrace. Any of these elected officials, first of all, any person, but especially an elected official that's going to go so far as to try and, um, you know, assault a political adversary, that's exactly what's wrong with the country today, as far as I'm concerned. I want to denounce the campaign of President Joe Biden. Well, it finally happened. Joe Biden is comparing, well, his campaign anyway. Joe Biden's campaign is comparing Donald Trump to Hitler. They put out a an advertisement saying Trump parrots Hitler. And it's got quotes from Trump, quotes from Hitler, and the only two people pictured are Trump and Hitler. I have such a problem with this. I, uh, you know, I'm no supporter of George W. Bush, but I didn't like it when they were comparing Bush to Hitler. I didn't like it when they compared Obama to Hitler. Certainly didn't like it when they were comparing Trump to Hitler. This is reprehensible because when you compare American political figures who have been voted for by tens of millions of people to one of the worst monsters in history. There's no excuse for that. And I've always found that whenever you compare someone to Hitler or the Nazis, it diminishes the significance of what Hitler and the Nazis actually did. So this is shameful on the part of the Biden campaign. So as far as the Biden campaign goes... I do denounce you. I was. I must also denounce the shooter in Prague where this 24-year-old gunman killed at least 14 people and wounded more than 20 others in this shooting rampage at Charles University in the Czech Republic. The gunman was a 24-year-old student in world history. He also killed himself. The police say they believe he first killed his father in their family home in a village. This is horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. The gunman was identified by local police. They gave only a first name and a last initial for privacy reasons. So I don't know why he did it. I'd like to know. But he's still getting denounced regardless. I want to denounce Cardinal Angelo Becciu. Here is Giovanni Angelo Becciu. This is a man that could have been the Pope. And now he is very likely heading to prison. A Vatican criminal court 
um, sentenced Cardinal Giovanni Angelo Beccio. Uh, once one of the church's most powerful Vatican officials to five and a half years in prison for financial crimes. This is a this was a very high profile case that raised questions about the who's controlling the Vatican's money, which is substantial. So the conviction was a big fall from grace for this man who served years ago as Pope Francis's chief of staff. It almost reminded me of the situation in Godfather 3, which is, I know, based on a real-life situation. But a lot of folks say this casts a whole shadow over Pope Francis's papacy. But this trial, which lasted years and brushed up against many of the church's top officials and players, including the Pope himself, raised a lot of questions about the Vatican's judicial system and the competence of its officials and the Pope's style of governance. Um, I really have such an issue whenever anybody steals from the church because people give to the church thinking that they're going to do something good, thinking that money is going to be used for something positive, thinking that that money is going to be used to help people, not thinking it's going to be pilfered. And this man, Cardinal Biccio, is still retaining at least for now, after his conviction, his luxury Vatican apartment. Cardinal Biccio, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Chiara Ferragni. Ferragni, excuse me. She is an Italian influencer. She's a megastar, internet megastar. And she could now be on the hook for a million-dollar fine over a pink-branded Christmas cake she advertised to followers last year, suggesting the proceeds would go to charity. But, according to Italian authorities, the donation never materialized. She's got almost 30 million followers on Instagram. She owns a fashion brand and a marketing agency. She starred in reality TV shows, movies, you name it. And last year, she launched a cake product in partnership with the Italian pastry brand Balacco, the Pandoro, a traditional Italian Christmas dessert similar to a panettone, was packaged in a pink box rather than the typical festive red and featured an illustration of this woman as well as her name and her logo. And the partnership was advertised at the time as a charity project to benefit children treated for bone cancer at the Regina Margarita Hospital in Turin, Italy. To me, anybody that's going to raise money in the names of helping sick children and then not give that money to the sick, sick children, I, I think you're a monster. And Ms. Faragni, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Myanmar. That's right. Myanmar is now the world's largest producer of opium. According to a recent report from the UN, Myanmar's new dominance in the international opium market follows the decline of production of the drug in Afghanistan, which had previously been the largest producer of the crop worldwide. Taliban comes into Afghanistan. What do they do? They shut down the drugs, shut down the opium fields. Myanmar is only too happy to fill that gap. Um, 
the Taliban has seen a 95% decline in opium cultivation. And same amount of people want to continue to do drugs. And Myanmar is stepping into the breach and selling drugs to everyone that wants them. I must denounce, so Myanmar, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Aiden Mice Gazupski. I hope that's the proper way to pronounce his name. I don't know. But this is the aide to, former aide now, to Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland. And he's been fired by Senator Cardin. This is the aide that recorded himself having sex in a Capitol Hill hearing room. This to me is just reprehensible. Absolutely reprehensible. Look, I don't care that he's gay. If this was a heterosexual person, I would say the same thing. You can't defile the people's house like this. I think this is just awful. So, Mr. I hope he's prosecuted, by the way. Mr. Mais Gazupski, I do denounce you. I must also denounce San Francisco, California. According to WalletHub, this is the worst-run city in America. They compared the operating efficiency of 149 of the largest U.S. cities. They constructed a quality of services score made up of 36 metrics grouped into six different categories. And then they measured that against the city's per capita budget, and they found San Francisco, California is dead last, even worse than Chattanooga. Penultimately, I want to denounce Brent Wood. This guy's a real piece of work. This man was outside a Georgetown synagogue Sunday morning, and he drove a U-Haul van around security poles parked directly on the sidewalk in front of the entrance to the Kesher Israel congregation. Wood sat down on the hood of the van and then tried to open the synagogue's front door, but it was locked. There was a class going on inside the synagogue, and the building was being evacuated after getting a bomb threat via email. I wonder who that bomb threat came from. As congregants were leaving, Brent Wood started to spray all of them with an unknown substance, which turned out to be a fart gas, and yelled, Gas the Jews. Now, first of all, I mean, it's ridiculous that you would spray anybody with fart gas. And I'm a guy that loves a good practical joke as much as anybody. This is not a practical joke. This is hate. And then, given what's going on in the world right now, and given the fact that six million Jews were actually put to death during the Holocaust, many of them gassed. The fact that you would even shout out, gas the Jews, while you're spraying them with an unknown substance, I mean, that's a really reprehensible person. So, Brent Wood, I do denounce you. And finally, I want to denounce Facebook's owner, Meta. They have been forced to apologize to a well-known Qatari businessman, Wassam Almana, over the publication of fake ads on the social media platform, using his name and image. This guy used to be managed, married to Janet Jackson, by the way, which I did not know. But this guy did not give his permission for these ads, and yet these commercials w- were featuring him on Facebook 
encouraging people to invest in a cryptocurrency that he had nothing to do with. Who knows how many prominent Qataris and wealthy Qataris were duped because they thought this guy was affiliated with whatever this cryptocurrency scheme was. So Meta, I do denounce you. If you have a comment on anyone I have denounced or anything else we've covered today, I would love to hear from you. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hello there. Merry Christmas, how you been? It's so good to talk to you again. It's Christmas by Carla Thomas. If you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing on this show, uh, join the Facebook group. Just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters on Facebook. That's uh, M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. Now, um, it is Christmas. I still have a little bit of last-minute shopping to do, but I'm pretty much done. Um, my wife went grocery shopping yesterday while I stayed home and worked on the show. So it's so rare that I actually have money in my checking account that will handle a full grocery bill. So I give her my debit card. I said, honey, take my debit card. You know, I'll, uh, you know, whatever you need to purchase, put it on there. She said, there's money in here. Yes, there's money. Go ahead. So she goes out. I stay home, work on the show. And she comes back, and she's unpacking the groceries. And then she says, well, I can't find your debit card. I don't know where it is. Your debit card is missing. I'm going to go look for it. So she goes back in the car. Can't find it. She uh, presumably goes back to the grocery store. Can't find it. And I'm thinking it's going to turn up in one of these grocery bags. We unpack all the grocery bags. No dice. And I said, oh, that's all right, honey. I'll just cancel it, which I which I will. I thought it might turn up in the next couple hours, but it didn't. So I'm going to – if you have that debit card, by the way, you have maybe another 90 minutes to go on a spending spree. But I uh, <laughs> was just imagining if the tables were turned and I had lost Rachel's debit card, what her reaction would be. <laughs> I can assure you the reaction would not have been – that's all right, honey. I'll just cancel it and request a new one. But that's why there's, uh, that's why they say, right, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, right? Um, so I'm going to cancel that first thing after the show. Then I got some good news yesterday. You remember the, the car part that I've been waiting for for two, two months? Because our, our front passenger, excuse me, 
front driver's side vehicle will not recline and it needs this tiny little part, which we requested two months ago. I finally got the word yesterday that the part is in. So I'm going to go and, uh, you know, I'm going to go and return that uh, car and hopefully get that part fixed. So we're going to work on that. I don't know if I can get an appointment today. We'll see. So we covered cards, cars, and, oh, cats. The other C. We've got a comment on cats. We got that uh, cat that we trapped fixed yesterday. And usually we recover cats, cats in our our garage but uh, my wife felt it was just too cold, so currently he's in the basement. He recovers for a couple of days while his wounds heal, and then we'll put him back out there on the street. And we're hoping to still catch that other cat that we think it belongs to someone that has tags and hopefully reunite him with his owner. So we'll see where that goes. But that's it. Lost debit card, found car part, cat fixed, currently recovering. 800-848-9222, One open line if you have a comment. Let me begin with Joe in the Queens. Hi, Joe. Yeah, Frank, I have two items. First, I wanted, I know your wife likes Taylor Swift. I was listening, the name of the singer is Chelsea Cutler, Chelsea Cutler from Westport, Connecticut. But she sounds on some of her songs very similar to Taylor Swift. She's 26 years old, so uh, check her out and see what you think. Uh, now that last give me the name. Now, give me the name one more time. Yeah, it's Chelsea. Chelsea Cutler. Got it. Okay. Instead of Butler, it's Cutler. Yeah. So you, you, see if you agree with me. If, if you get the chance. Now the other thing is uh, that last announcement. Uh, if if people do endorsements, they do a lot of takes. It's like it's almost like doing a movie uh, in, in short form. I wonder how the mechanism works where they can take a guy like that and actually have him endorse something. Like, is that partly spliced with AI? Or no, no that... I don't think they used video of him. I think they yeah. just used a still image, and they okay. said, "Oh, they make it sound like oh." This person invests in cryptocurrency or this particular type of cryptocurrency. It's not like they had a video of him saying, put your money in cryptocurrency. It was just a photo. Oh, okay. Okay, but that still seems to influence and have the effect, just the photo. Right, but whether it does or it doesn't, you shouldn't be able to run commercials with someone's image endorsing a specific product that they haven't given permission for. Exactly, because on that theory, anybody could pull a picture up of uh, any known, you know, uh, big wig or whatever, and, and just put their image on their product, basically, right? Right, right exactly. Food product or whatever. Exactly, exactly. Joe, thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Paul is in Hartford. Hi, Paul. Hi, Frank. Great show. Thanks. Um, you know. Uh, your your last guest, the professor at Columbia, just proves that you can be brilliant and wrong on uh, certain issues. You know, Israel, uh, first of all, the U.N. changed the maps that it was the uh, Gaza, it was uh, Judea and Sumeria. So they're not, Israelites are not uh, occupiers. That was their land when King David and King Solomon were around. And and also him saying that Iran will protect Israel, they are uh, funneling 
Hamas, the Houthis, and all other terrorist groups. And um, just to touch on a few points on that, uh, Frank. Um, and also, uh, well, anyway, that, that that's all I wanted to say. Thank right. you, Frank. Hey, and Paul. also, wait, one more thing. Sure, go ahead. Um, you know, him saying that uh, Israel didn't back a two-state solution. Bill Clinton, Arafat, when Bill Clinton was leaving, um, uh, Alan Dershowitz tells this story that um, Arafat called Bill Clinton and said, you were a great president. And Bill Clinton said, I would have been if it wasn't for you. There was a two-state solution, and Arafat didn't want to take it because the the so-called Palestinians who are descendants of Egypt and Jordanians during the, the wars in 67-48, Arafat didn't want a two-state solution. So thank you, Frank. And yes. also one thing on a lighter note. Your wife should check out George Michael older album. It's fantastic. I will suggest that. Hey, Paul, thank you. Yeah, as that um that Arafat anecdote with respect to Bill Clinton, that's actually in Bill Clinton's book, My Life. Um, he called Arafat in the waning days of his administration, and Arafat says, You're a great man. And Clinton actually went further than the quote that you repeated. He actually says, No, I'm a failure, and it's because of you. And the rest of what you said is is accurate, as recorded by Bill Clinton. 800-848-9222. Hannah is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Hannah. Hi, Frank. I, I called to wish you happy holidays to you and your family. Oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, I'm so happy that you still guys, you know, with the cats saving fast. Two of my cats died today. Oh, no. Oh, you, yeah. I'm so sorry, Hannah. You must be devastated. I am. Um, the, and we found out that they had uh, feline leukemia. Oh. Yeah, at the last one. It was crazy. One of them was eating, and the other one was not eating. And believe it or not, the younger one was the one who was eating. And she's the one who died in my house. And, and my other cat died. I had taken many euthanizers. Oh, Hannah, I'm so sorry. What, what were their names? Yeah. Uh, Veruca Salt and Fusion Doll. Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka? No, from the band, actually. Oh. Everybody think that. All right, that's funny. Yeah. Well, uh, Hannah, I'm, I, I know exactly how you feel. I'm very sorry. And um, I'm sure they were lucky to have you in, in their lives for all nine of their lives, as long as they did. I hope you have a great Christmas, yeah, and uh, I hope we chat right. again soon. Yeah, and you know I wanted to wish I call my happy belated birthday, and and you guys are such great parents. I, I see pictures of them. I don't have kids, but if I have a kid, I wish I had someone like Carmine. Oh, Anna, I you're so sweet. You're gonna give me a toothache, Anna. Merry Christmas. Thank you. That's very nice. Um, oh, that's tough. You know, it's tough enough. We just lost two cats, a few months apart from one another. Can you imagine losing two the same day? Ah. Oh. Poor woman. Oh, my goodness. 800-848-9222. You know, I was leaving somewhere yesterday. Uh, I think, you know, a Christmas party. One of these Christmas parties that needs to keep the music so loud that I need to shout over it and lose. I, I'm just, I, I can't go to these parties anymore. From now on, if there's a party where the music is over a certain level, I, I just need to leave. Because you see what happens. Weddings and then two Christmas parties. This is what happens. Um, so anyway, yeah, I was leaving 
and I run into someone that I haven't seen in a while, and he said basically the same thing that Hannah said, that um, I see the pictures of your son, he's very handsome. He says, I can always tell you're a great dad. I said, nope, mediocre. The great dads, they're always complaining that they can't do anything because they're always busy with their kids. I will proudly be a decent dad rather than these great dads that are always canceling plans and always need to go on and on and on. I mean, look at me. I'm speaking about my son right now to a very wide radio audience, so I guess I'm doing the very thing that annoys me about people. Sorry. But, uh, no, I'll take the good good dad category. Kay is in Rockland. Hi, Kay. No, Terry. Terry, even better. Hi, Terry. Okay, I disagree with you. You are a super great dad. Just hearing your 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 latest about Carmine, it thrills me. Oh, and I wanted to say, well, I want to say a lot of things, but quickly I want to say, Carmine, maybe the sunshine of your life, but hearing your updates about him brings sunshine and smiles to my life. Okay, I have to tell you that I that's been on my mind for a long time, but um. First, okay, first of all, I hope you're gardening with green tea, and I hope your throat gets better, okay? Thank you. I love the idea of you teaching Carmine Italian. It's wonderful, and I think he'll learn quickly, and he'll love it. And maybe someday you and he and Rachel can, and can all visit, uh, can visit Italy. But this is really, really what I need to call about. You know I admire you as a talk show host. You know that. But I have three quick questions I hope you'll answer. Sure. What is the purpose of the denouncements? And do you think the people you denounced really care that you're denouncing them? And do you sometimes think that it might give the wrong people some wrong ideas? Um, well, so really the uh, the purpose of the denunciations, Terry, is... I mean, it's really a little bit of radio theater, and it's sort of a mechanism for me to highlight a bunch of stories quickly, because most of the other segments I spend on one subject, and it's really just kind of my way of passing judgment, or in the case of commendations, giving praise to a bunch of people. Do they care? I don't know, but I'll tell you what, they certainly should, Terry, they certainly should. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for your nice words. 800-848-9222. Let me take a quick break. One question I've gotten from time to time is if you could know exactly how old you would be when you died, would you want to know? And when I've gotten that question, historically my answer has been yes. Well, now. It looks like that technology is here. And now I'm not sure if I still want to know. I'll give you the details, but I'd also like to know from you if you could know when you were going to die. Would you want to know? This is The Other Side of Midnight, 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at midnight with Frank Morano.
Christmas by Band-Aid. Ten minutes until the top of the hour. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, in a groundbreaking research project, a collaboration between DTU, that's the Technical University of Denmark, the University of Copenhagen, and Northeastern University in the United States, they have harnessed the power of artificial intelligence to predict human life events, even going so far as to estimate the time of death. This cutting-edge study published in Nature Computational Science under the title Using Sequences of Life Events to Predict Human Lives has the potential to reshape the way we perceive human existence and our ability to anticipate the future. The key to this revolutionary development lies in the utilization of transformer models, a type of artificial intelligence architecture that's similar to ChatGPT. These transformer models, when trained on vast volumes of data, encompassing various aspects of people's lives, demonstrate an astonishing capability to systematically organize this data and remarkably predict what may unfold in an individual's life, including the profound task of estimating the time of their eventual demise. It's called Life2Vec, Life, the number two, V-E-C. At the core of this is the novel model Life to Vec. This model, following an initial training phase where it acquires an intimate understanding of the patterns within the data, showcases its prowess by outperforming other advanced neural networks. It remarkably provides predictions that extend to personality traits and, strikingly, the elusive time of death, all with an exceptional degree of accuracy. It is not available to the public yet, but it will be soon. It will be soon. The professor at DTU and the author of this article said, we use the model to address the fundamental question, to what extent can we predict events in your future based on conditions on your, and events in your past? Scientifically, what is, being, what is exciting for us is not so much the prediction itself, but the aspects of data that enable the model to provide such precise answers. So they look at every aspect of your life, your gender, your mental health, your diagnoses, your height, your weight, 
your income levels, where you live, your birth, your education, your housing, your family life. And they're all assigned their respective positions on this intricate framework. I haven't seen it in action yet. But based on what's in this article, looks like this is a remarkably accurate predictor of when you'll die. So it got me thinking, what I want to know? And I think the answer is probably. Look, if I'm going to die at uh, a relative in two years, then I'm going to spend most of the next two years making videos so that my son can remember me by. It's like, I think it's a Michael Keaton movie where a father has a terminal brain tumor and he is, um, you know, recording all these future messages for his son. That's what Jarrell did for Superman. If, you know, I've got a good 60, 70 years left, I'll be, I don't know, a little bit more relaxed, not run to make videos all the time. I don't know. But um, it's given me a lot to think about. And I don't know what this is going to do to the actuary business. I don't know what this is going to do to life insurance. I don't know what this is going to do to health insurance. But this is a game changer. 800-848-9222. If you could, through this AI technology, which I think within a year from now, for our Christmas Eve Eve show a year from now, I think this will be used regularly in some form or another. If you could, would you want to know when you're going to die? Why or why not? Now, obviously, if you get hit by a car, it doesn't take that into account. Maybe it does, but probably not. 800-848-9222. Matt Blaze, what about you? If you could know when you're dying, you want to know? I don't think so. I just, I'd rather just... Keep it the way it is and keep it a surprise. I mean, well, I don't know. If I'm going to die a violent death, I guess I'd want to know the circumstance. But I don't think it's going to, it could predict that. I mean, I guess it can only predict like natural causes. Like, how would it know if you got hit by a bus? How well, would it know? Yeah, I mean, it, I guess, you know, you're probably not, but. It will probably um, assign a score to if you live in an area with a large number of traffic accidents. That's my guess, but I don't know. I don't know. And then I guess your genetics when it comes to disease and things like that, how predisposed you are to getting cancer or something that would, heart ailment or something that would cause you to die. But how could it take into account, it couldn't take into account freak accidents. No, I mean, look, obviously like if you that. get There's murdered, the... you know, it uh, probably doesn't take in that, to that account. Most people, thankfully, aren't murdered. Right. So I, I think I just leave it the way it is. Tony, what about you? I don't want to know. You don't want to know. No. See, it's interesting. When we had our son, we were one of the few couples that we knew that didn't want to find out the gender. We wanted to be surprised. And... It's interesting to me, years ago, when my siblings were being born, that was the norm. It was rare to find out the gender. Now it's flipped. I think it's rare to be surprised. Why do, because my hunch is most people would answer this question the way Tony and Matt have. Why do we always want to know the gender 
not always, but often one another gender of our child, but something definitive that could really help with life planning, financially, vacation-wise, professionally. We don't want to know what date we're going to die. How come? 800-848-9222. Joe in Orange County, what do you think? How you doing, Frank? I wouldn't want to know because my life would change drastically. If it was only a couple of years left, I wouldn't be living my life like I live it now. And I feel if I knew I had many years left, I would my life would change just knowing that I have all this extra time. I mean, I hate to say it, but we have to live every day like it's your last. Be nice to people or, you know, and just it's just weird. I mean, I, I uh, back in high school, I had a teacher that uh, asked us, it was a philosophy class, and they asked us if we could meet someone that the best person that we could meet to marry us and love us and everything, but you would only have them for a year and they would pass away. And I said, I wouldn't want to even meet that person because then I would know what I lost. It would be heartbroken, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I would answer that question either. Um, you know, better to have loved is lost is the expression, is the expression than uh, never to have loved at all. This is a little less abstract, though, because the technology to do it is here. So would you want to know? 800-848-9222. Still to come, Gnome Laden and some gift-giving suggestions. Until next hour, your influence counts. Use it.